0: What's that sound? That's the sound of Downy Unstoppable's scent beads going into your washing machine and giving your clothes freshness that lasts all day long. There it is again. It's like music to your ears or more like music to your nose. That freshness is irresistible. Let's get a Downy Unstoppable's bottle shake. And now a sniff solo. Nice. Get six times longer lasting freshness plus odor protection with Downy Unstoppable's in-wash scent beads.
1: Beep Pod Studios
2: The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic, and weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly.
0: It's Felger and Maz. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 985 The Sports Hub.
3: Coach, um, you know, basically you had to solid game plan. Obviously, the turnovers was an integral part in today's loss, but, um, you know, you're one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I know five, well, four and 12 right now is at this thing. How do you plan to restore your big way rate this point, Coach?
2: Yeah, we'll get ready for the Jets next week. We're expecting something different. Were you? It's going to be like this right to the bitter end, and you know what? We're not that far from the bitter end. So, before we begin on Big Boy Tuesday, welcome to 2024, bitches. Oh yeah, welcome to 2024, Murray.
4: Hello, Mass. Happy New Year,
2: Ted. Hey, what's up, Mass? So, as you can tell, Mike is out today. Ted Johnson, alongside Jim Murray, here as well.
5: Dad's not here.
2: What's wrong with that? Microphone. Seriously, that might blows. Big boy Tuesday, Greg Bedard here as well. And uh, we got a lot to get to today. Certainly we're going to, we'll, we'll touch on Let me just say this up front. We'll touch on the Red Sox and the Celtics later in the programming. Cause I think they're both worthy of mention on what is a massive reentry from the end of 23, uh, the end of, of the holidays and the start of 2024. But to me, there is one major story that is going to be front and center through at least uh, the rest of this week into next week, depending on how things go from there. We'll see what happens. And that is Bill Belichick. To me, it's pretty simple because I, I think the question right now is obvious. And I think our opinions on it have all been shared. But the obvious question today is, are we witnessing now the final week Of the Bill Belichick era. So let me ask each of you uh, that as we begin again. Ted Johnson is here. Jim Murray is here. Greg Bedard is here at Big Boy Tuesday. And customarily, we open the floor to Greg at the start of this show. So, Greg, are we witnessing the final days this week of the Bill Belichick era?
5: I think so, but I don't think it is. uh, I don't think it's definite. I think that, you know, from what I've been told, I think uh, Robert is conflicted. I don't think he wants to do this. I think that Bill, from what I've been told by people around Bill, they expect him to go into the meeting with Robert on the offensive, um, you know, with some sort of end game in, ma- in mind. And that might be uh, putting Kraft in a position where he has to fire Belichick. Or Bill could have talked around the league to people. Um, or at least have intermediaries do that on his behalf and sort of take in the temperature about what options might be open to him. He might not think there are any good options to him as far as going someplace and and having full power or final authority. So maybe he has a counter in terms of, you know what, Robert, um, it's time for me to give up personnel. Like this is the, that's the problem with the team. It's, it's my fault. This is what I propose. And you know, we can get into it. Uh, I haven't found any people that think that is going to work for the Patriots long term.
2: And does you that know, include you?
5: Including Bill? Yeah.
2: No, no, no. You. Oh. That, that you Yeah, I it? don't I,
5: I don't think so because it's either it's either one of two scenarios. It's either somebody who he's familiar with who would defer to Bill and nothing would really change, or it would be somebody from the outside who who is independent of Bill. Has full authority, reports to Robert, and I just don't see that working together. Shotgun marriages do not work in the NFL, as far as personnel, people, and head coaches doesn't work. You're asking for a disaster. You're asking asking for Pete Carroll, Bobby Greer, that type of thing. Um, so, uh, but I do think that Bill's going to have a counter. He's going to go in on the offensive, and you know what Robert ultimately decides. I, I don't know. I think they have. I think they have a direction that they want to go in. I think they think they need to move in a different direction. But whether that happens when it push comes to shove, I don't know. I can't tell you what's going to happen.
2: Murray?
4: It's time to move on. They should be ready to move on. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm starting to get that the feeling that there's going to be cold feet on one side or the other, whether that's ownership. And Robert looks at it and said, you know what? He's still got one year under contract. Was it really that bad? Bill can make his case. Okay, we had some injuries some personal issues, blah, blah, blah. And they hang on to him for one more year or they do try to push him out. And Bill says, okay, I'll acquiesce. I'll give up personnel power here. I'll just be the coach on Sundays and that'll be that. And so what are they going to say then? Well, all right, fine. We'll ride it out that way for one more year. You're the coach and we can have a bigger ceremony as you ride off into the sunset after 24. I think they should be gone. I personally want them gone. I'm starting to think they're going to get cold feet one side or the other.
6: Ted. Yeah. So I, I kind of agree with what uh, Greg has been was, what said and. Is that I think he's probably gone. I just don't think it's going to be an easy decision. I think they're going to be they're going to be really grapple with it, and I think it's because there's just just the way they've been playing a little bit, a little flicker light, you know. Okay, these guys are playing hard. That's going to be hard for Kraft to kind of witness, and then you know, uh, and I think pull the trigger. Um, and you can kind of see, and I think Greg's exactly right. Is the end of the year a meeting is going to be interesting, and I think if you heard in his, his presser. I think I thought his presser after this last game was very very interesting and compelling if you kind of read between the lines because i thought a lot of the what was in this this last post game presser gave us the kind of blueprint for what his end of season meeting is going to be with with Robert Kraft and that is you know kind of blaming blaming the quarterback position you know he talked about turnovers after the game you know that's uh, that's all you know on the quarterback basically besides the Farrell Brown uh, fumble but blame the quarterback use the quarterback as the excuse you know he referenced uh, in this past game how hard his team was playing. Um, that's going to be a theme is, hey, you know, these guys were still playing hard for me at the end of the game. That should count for something. Uh, guys, quote-unquote, really stepped up uh, in this last game. He said that a couple times in his postgame presser, alluding to, you know, hey, guys that were injured and guys had to step up. He's going to use injuries, I think, in his end-of-the-season uh, conversation with Robert Kraft to make a case for staying. And then uh, the word of the of the year. And in the, in the you're going to hear a lot is competitive. He said that we were competitive in this game uh, a couple times. That is going to be his main point to Robert is how competitive they were in these in a lot of these games. And if uh, a play here, a play there goes differently, that maybe it's a it's a, it's a different uh, season altogether. The one thing that's interesting about you know Jim saying hey you know bring it back for one more year it's it's not that easy because Bill's not going to come back on a one year deal. You're going to have to extend him another year. He's not going to be a lame coach, uh, you know, going into his last year as a lame coach. So it's not just as simple as bringing him back for one year. And so I I think at the end of the day, they have they're going to settle on the tough decision to let him go. Uh, It won't be easy. And I I think it's going to take longer than it needs to take. But I think I think that's the direction they ultimately will go in Maz.
2: Greg. Do you think the decision's been made? In other words, when you say you don't know which way it's going to go, do you think w- without any conversation between Robert and Bill, do you think the crafts know what they want to do?
5: I think Robert and Jonathan decided weeks ago that it was time to move on from Bill.
2: But you think that? Th- so then you think there's a chance that Bill could convince them that to keep him. Well, I
5: think that you know two things are at play. I think as it gets closer, I think Robert is conflicted. I know he's he's calling around and talking to people, and you know, so making saying, sure that his, his decision is correct about how the team needs to move forward. You know, whether that includes Bill or not. You know, what have you?
2: He's, so he's asking for counsel on that, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Yes, from people in other organizations around the league. Just
5: you know, people people Just that people. he trusts. People, yeah.
2: Okay. So, so as of right now, you believe, I'm just trying to get all this clear so yep. people understand where we're all coming from. You believe that the crafts are today inclined to make the move.
5: Correct. But could Bill say something in that meeting that convinces them otherwise or gives them pause to think about things for another day or two? I think that could happen.
2: Okay, and this meeting that takes place, just again, just to get it all out, is this something that is customary at the end of every season?
5: Yeah, it's usually. I wouldn't say it's on Monday. It's usually like Tuesday or Wednesday because Bill they they do have sort of end of the season wrap up stuff, TPS reports and things like that to get in order. And usually that's the first day or two. You know, I would expect it to happen possibly Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I got to look back to like when it happened last year because there were a lot of questions about their meeting. Uh, at the end of last year because then then the press release came out like right after that. There was the email to season ticket holders and then there was the press release. So there's some sort of timing there.
2: Okay, and one thing I'm hearing a lot from people or in discussions about this, look at the way the team's played over the last month. Ted just made a reference to it as far as Belichick's press conference um, following the Buffalo game. We're playing hard. We're close. The games are competitive. If it weren't for the turnovers, do the way or does the way they have played in the last few games at all affect this discussion in your mind?
5: No, not at all. I don't, I don't, you know, the, the, the wins over, you know, Pittsburgh team that's not going anywhere A Denver team. That's, you know, they benched the quarterback the next week. I thought Josh Allen played horrendous on Sunday or else it would have been a blowout if he put, you know, I'm not saying the Patriots didn't have a hand in that, Um but to me it was i had, kept writing down minus plays for josh allen and here's the other thing i hear this from you know a lot of people they say well look at the one score games that they've lost and it's true eight of their 12 losses this year have been by one score that is 67% of their losses have been by one score or less okay that's fine you want to use that as evidence that bills a good coach and that okay josh mcdaniels in his 25 games as raiders head coach of his losses were by one score. So does that make him a good coach? I mean, I to me, I hear people saying Josh McDaniels is a terrible coach. So, you know, I I just don't understand it. I don't understand applying different logic to it.
2: So the resume is coming into play is what you're saying. It's Bill's resume that's influenced. For people who believe that the close games should work in Bill's favor, it's not really based on the close games. It's Bill's resume
5: yeah, it's Bill's resume, you know, with Tom Brady as quarterback. And I'm not saying it was all Tom, but I mean, look, there's a clear distinction between Bill with Tom Brady and Bill without Tom Brady. And, you know, you just look at the slow descent of the program here. It wasn't, wasn't a one year wonder. And you look at last year, last people look at like eight, and nine, and they talk about all the turnovers this year. And I'm sure we'll get into this because I wrote my column off of the game on Sunday about Bill's comments about the turnovers, but you know, the, yeah, the Patriots have turned the ball over a lot. Um, you know but they also haven't taken away the ball a lot the previous two years they had 30 takeaways this year they have 17 like that affects the plus minus as much as anything you could say if you if you really wanted to p- apply logic to it you could say 8 and 9 was inflated not 4 and 12s underinflated 8 and 9 was overinflated because of the turnovers because of the defensive touchdowns that they got that they should have been worse than that last year
2: ted the the uh team's play in the last call at six weeks mm-hmm. Ish. Does that at all affect your decision on where they are?
4: No, not at all. Not at all. And no, they us, stink. People shouldn't get fooled by this. Yeah, yeah, but some
6: people, you know, you know, beating the Broncos, uh, you know, sorry. I mean, it's just we we know Russell Wilson isn't the same quarterback that he, that he that he once was. Uh, so um, I don't I don't put too much stock now. I mean, the Chiefs. have I mean, they beat you, and they're they're not playing good at all. I mean, they they've been terrible. Other than the win against you, um, and so. Uh, the Bills, the Bills. Uh, I mean, you had a you had a you had a lead on the Bills right out of the gate, and you you choked it away. And so, that, to me, that's there, there, it's not a good loss. There's there's nothing in this last six weeks, two months uh, since really the the report uh, after the Germany game in which Tom Curran said that the the crafts have made up their mind, but it's it's uh, contingent on maybe uh, basically how how did these how did these last couple of months play out. Nothing in the last couple months of how it's played out would convince me that the uh, the crash should change their opinion if they had, uh, you know, uh, like like t- uh, Tom Curran reported, made their decision in that Germany game. Nothing since that Germany game convinces me that anything's changed.
2: Okay, so here's what we're going to do. This is where we're going to start today. Greg's in as he is every Tuesday. We get a lot to catch up on from the time we've all been out. Greg, I know you were here. Ted, you've certainly been here. Murray and I are just, you know, reentering the uh, the atmosphere So, uh, I, but I, I just will say quickly what four and 12 is okay. Now I'm not making any decision based on the last couple of weeks. I'm making a decision based on the 16 games they've played four and 12 is okay. That's what everybody wants. That's what everybody's expectations are for the people that still want to somehow save bill Belichick, extend this whole era. You'll give him a little more slack, give him a little more rope for what? So what, a couple of games? Is everybody just getting afraid of pulling the trigger? Is that the deal? Everyone's getting a little nervous. Maybe Robert Kraft is falling into that group and maybe he isn't. But whatever. So now all of a sudden it's nut-cutting time and people don't have the balls to pull the trigger? It's time to cut. Time. It's been time for a long time. I don't understand why people would, would all of a sudden get cold feet about this. Six one seven 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 nine zero ninety eight five. I take that back. I do understand it. But I think it's preposterous. Four and twelve. That that's not debatable. The four and twelve is not debatable.
1: Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. It's Belger and Selger and Selger. Oh, and don't forget Murray on the Sports Hub.
4: Uh, morning to Happy New Year. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of focus this week on your future. And I uh, just was wondering what your level of you know, desire to return to the Patriots uh, is, uh, if there's uh, been any discussions regarding that. Yeah, uh you know focused on getting ready for the jets I mean, we haven't played it you know a long time and been the all season so um gonna work on the jets here and get ready to go
2: and just
4: in terms of you know your time in new England you spent over a third of your life as the head coach of of this team um what is the what are the fans what does everything kind of you know meant to you has there been any you know time for for reflection well I'll deal with that. You know, some other time right now is try to get the team ready for the Jets, finish up the Buffalo game and um, you know continue to, to coach the team and try to help the players and you know, the team play better.
0: That
2: was Bill Belichick yesterday customary Monday morning teleconference. First comment we played for you was from Sunday. He's just, he's not going to go there. Does that surprise any of you that Bill would take the tact he's taken that he's just, um, just coach him. I'm going to get him ready for the Jets. Nope. Does that surprise anybody? No. I
4: mean, why would he? Because I don't think he even really knows or he's being... I don't know. Like it's a lack of self awareness maybe, uh, where he's just pretending what's going on isn't going on and it's la 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 la, you know, like fingers in his ears and he's just pretending that it isn't imminent. Um, but no, I'm not surprised. I think that's what he's doing. I think it's just the na na na, na. Yeah. I think he's been doing that all year
6: and that's his way of of kind of getting through what is a very obviously uh, you know, awkward and difficult situation is to to do that in it and it kind of shuts people down. I mean, if you always have you know, the next game to kind of, uh, reference it's, it's an easy way to squirm your way out of answering very difficult questions.
2: Do you think the crafts Greg went to him at all with the idea of, you know, we can do a farewell for you in the last week. Do you think that's even been on the table?
5: No. And if it would be on the table, I would think it would be today, like tonight, normally Tuesday of a game week, you know, they're, they're done. The, the 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 assistant coaches and coordinators are busy doing the game plans. Bills freed up a little bit more on Tuesday uh, afternoons, evenings. That's when he'll ch- he'll he'll do a check in on the game plans, that sort of thing. So, if it was going to happen, it would more likely be tonight.
2: Okay. So, I guess what I'm asking is this: for people going to the game, for people watching the game, whatever, do you think it's going to be just a standard game production down in Foxborough? Do you think it's just going to be another football game with no particular attention drawn to Bill that the people who run the scoreboard or the you know, the video board will be told no, no extra shots of Bill that we wouldn't normally do? We're just going to treat it like a regular game.
5: 100%. I yeah? don't see him doing anything else other than doing what he's done for 20 years. He doesn't like to, at least publicly, call attention to himself. He's not... He's not overly featured in the weekly game notes for the from from the team. I think that you know all this stuff is planned out, and um, he is he is going to direct Bears or whoever to make sure that you know we're not doing anything like it's business as usual as far as he is concerned today. Right now, I'm sure he thinks that he's he's probably coaching next year, and he's 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 doing business as business has been done for over 20 years. And we also have have precedent
4: as proof that they're not going to do anything because in the wild card loss to the Titans in 2019, a lot of people kind of thought it was Brady's last game. And what happened? Nothing. He just like awkwardly left the field and that was it. And some people were like, well, he'll be back, I guess. And the same thing's going to happen on Sunday. Is he gone?
2: I don't know. Let's take a couple of I find that whole dynamic, Murray, to be like, in this case, more than Brady, weird. Because this is their call. Brady was Brady's call. Brady had the right to leave. They didn't have the right to franchise him. They gave him that right. So to me, it was on Brady, and we didn't we didn't know if at nut-cutting time, Brady was going to walk out the door. We weren't sure that Brady had the balls to do it. I suppose you guys are saying the same thing about the Crafts now? Yeah,
5: because yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to push him out. That's that's the thing. Yeah, and I do believe that that Tom, at the end, if, if Bill came to him and they had a real human-to-human conversation and Bill gave him the 25 per year, I think Tom would have stayed. Even though there were a lot of reports out there that, no, it's over. It's over. Uh, you know, I do think he was open to that because the, you know, actually doing it, cutting the cord is tough for everybody. It was tough for Tom at the time. It's going to be tough for Robert, you know, when, when it comes time with Bill.
2: See, I feel more certain about this than I did with Brady. Because Brady, Brady's history to me suggested he's not, we don't know. He, he could stay, he might get, there might be some trepidation there at the end of the day, he doesn't want to go. I think this thing got so bad that I can't see how they keep him. I, I just can't see how they do it. How do you justify to your fan base after going 4-12, and 12, potentially 4-13, and 5-12, but really, what's the effing difference Okay, Mm -hmm. Call it 4.5 and and, uh, whatever that is, 12.5 if you want. I don't care if they tie 4, 12, and 1. What difference does it make? The season sucked. Offensively, they're a train wreck. They have so many holes on that side of the ball. Like, they're a mess. So I just don't see where any of that has changed. That's been true the whole year. So it's a little better now because Zappi has shown some ability to throw the ball down the field. You know, move around in the pocket, and scramble. Like there seems to be more confidence in Zappy, but it's still nowhere near good enough. It's not remotely good enough.
6: And craft and craft thought and people, Greg, you you know this. They were pretty optimistic about the season. They they thought they had a playoff type of, of roster going into the season, and that and the Kraft did too. They thought. A lot of you know they they uh, you know the crafts thought that bringing in Bill O'Brien was going to be the difference, and so to see how far off they were from their preseason kind of predictions is is another kind of I don't know uh, just uh, you know, just kind of thing to consider when when it comes to this decision. It should be an easy decision for them.
2: I mean, to me, if if this isn't the end, what does the end look like? Right. Like the, this is pretty bad. Raisin Revere Ray, what do you got?
1: Yeah, guys, 5-12 and 12 with two wins against the hapless Jets, it is over. Second point, nobody gives it all to one man anymore. That model is obsolete. If you look across the league, look at the top teams. Look at Baltimore, the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the 49ers, even the, even the Lions, GM-centric organizations. And if Robert Kraft isn't thinking about hiring a strong GM who hires the coach, then
2: you know, really he isn't Hall of Fame either.
5: That's the way he needs to be looking at it. Thanks,
2: fellas. Okay, there you go. Rain I was... will
5: say that um there is one well, there's two teams. Three that have uh that have the power structure, sort of like they have here. It's a little bit different. But Kansas City, Andy Reid does pick the players. Veach is the GM and does a lot of the legwork. I mean, I think Andy defers a lot to his personnel people, but I've been told that he picks the players. There's uh Pete Carroll and John Schneider. Pete Carroll runs everything. Kyle Shanahan runs everything with the 49ers.
2: Uh, John in Connecticut. Go ahead, John. Hi, guys. Hey, do you ever see a scenario where really Belichick would, you know, hands off on the draft, hands off on the offense, they're going to move
0: a total different direction with offense and just keep them there? you ever see what, at that point what, what what's what's it worth to have Belichick? But you see that ever happening?
5: I I do not. I mean, we, we touched on it before. I just think that it's, you know, it's one of two things. If, if, if Bill says, okay, let's bring in a new GM, um, he's going to handle all personnel. I'm going to stay out of it. But it's somebody like that that's been under him before John Robinson, Dave Ziegler, Bob Quinn, you know, what have maybe even Elliot Wolf, you know, who I think deserves consideration if they, uh, if they go with a more, an independent, uh, GM. Those guys are going to defer to Bill. How are they going to with their resumes say, you know, when when they're discussing players, how do they not go with Bill Belichick's opinion? And if you go the other way, say they get uh they get somebody Borgazi from the Chiefs, somebody from the outside who has no uh history with Bill Belichick. Adam Peters from the San Francisco 49ers used to be here, so he wouldn't fit that, but they go with somebody else. And they pick the players and they report to the crafts. That's how they they could set it up. You know, Bill Bill could bury those guys. He could pick Marvin Harrison Jr. in the first round and Bill could say, no, he doesn't block well enough and, you know, he's got to sit the bench until the second half of the season. Like Pop Douglas. Pop Douglas was the best player on offense, you know, from the early going or the most dangerous weapon. And he couldn't get on the field for half a season. And this is what Bill does. I wouldn't trust him. I, I just wouldn't
6: trust him to 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 play the players that uh, the you know the people that he didn't hand pick to pick the players uh, would pick. I, I just don't, I don't trust him. And, it, and he, there's 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 evidence to suggest this would, that wouldn't work out at all. I mean, it, Bill is a control freak. And he wants control over everything. You know, great, you know, great quote: uh, that Bill only wants to coach people that he likes." I think Urban Myers said that. Um, so if he doesn't get to pick the people that he's working with, how how is that going to work? And then Gary Myers. You know, uh, Tony, I filled in a couple of weeks ago and, and you had uh, Gary Myers on who said to us that he's had a conversation with Bill in 2020 in which he said to Gary Myers, you know, I don't want to go anywhere really and start over because of how much, how hard it is to build a front office, not a coaching staff, but to rebuild a front office. Um, and that was just three years ago. I, I just, I think he wants to have his hands in everything. Um, and so I just don't see how this. Uh, separation of church and state—how that would work—I just don't think. Unless he just is so doesn't have options to go, you know, anywhere else, and he realizes, oh my gosh, this might be my only option is to stay here, and then he concedes power and goes in and says, like Greg's saying, you know, all right, I'll—I I'll, don't have to pick the groceries anymore. Um, I'll just coach. Okay, I wouldn't feel real comfortable if I'm the crafts doing that, just because I just think Bill can sabotage. You know, uh, if the setup is like that, I don't—I wouldn't trust him to. You know, work with the guys that they brought in.
2: I mean, to, to me, of all the scenarios people throw out there, this one to me is the most unlikely. Right. I, I just, I, I can't see how that's going to work. To me, Bill Belichick is you're in or you're out. It, it's not, you can't cut the baby in half, it just doesn't work. He's he's too his shadow is too big. Let alone the reality and the ego and everything else. The shadow is too big. If Bill is there, whoever you bring in is going to be looking over his shoulder the whole time.
5: Mm-hmm. Like it,
2: can't be done.
5: And also the the scenario where John laid out about you know bringing in like a new offense or something like that. That would be a completely alien concept to Bill because he's always had it like these are our playbooks, this is what we're working off of, like what you're going to bring in some guy from the Shanahan tree to be independent from Bill. No, they, it just it just doesn't work as far as, uh, you know, a, a, a coaching and infrastructure for a team. It just doesn't work.
2: The, the only thing I'll add, Greg, is that let's just say that that is the outcome, that Robert Kraft somehow convince him, convinces himself that Bill can stay on as coach and they're going to turn over personnel yep. to someone else. Well then, that's on craft. Mm-hmm. That is one hundred percent on craft. Right. That is done purely because you don't want to get rid of the coach. That is preposterous. Right,
5: and you, and you would have think that he would have learned those lessons from you know the Bobby Bobby Greer experience and you know, Bill's first wasn't it Bill's first year there were other guys in charge of personnel and then you know then they went away from that the year the next year.
2: Absolutely right. He he gained and Felger has talked about this. He gained more power. As time went on, yep. and then he had out of the gate. Jim Murray's got your headlines here. It is a Tuesday. Typically, we do three up, three down, so we're going to gonna adhere to that protocol. That's next on Fogart, Mass.
0: Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage? the kids' tuition, and all the other bills. In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need ethos fast and easy online term life insurance up to two million dollars in coverage with no medical exam some policies as low as a dollar a day answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio that's ethos life.com slash audio And now, it's time for three... Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on this drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny... I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up.
5: I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three
0: down. It's
2: a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail.
0: On Belder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub.
2: Well, it is a Tuesday after all, so you know the drill. We didn't get really a chance to talk about the game much yesterday and given everything that's else that's going on kind of tough to do that today but we will try to adhere to the protocol as much as we can so uh ted Johnson's going to fill in for me bedardo give us his usual three up three down ted we usually do the three ups all in one you know you got it sh- one shot so greg give us your three up and then we'll get to the good stuff
5: okay uh anthony jennings I thought he had a really good bounce back game. I did not think he was good on the edge last week. I thought he was really good this week. He had I had him for nine impactful impactful plays. Kyle Duggar, I thought, you know, had a good game. Now people will look at the 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 Kikade, which uh 50 yard pass, which was the biggest pass in the game. I sent Ted the coach's film from it, so I'll be interested to hear what he thinks. I I have just never I don't know what happened on that play. I've never seen a Patriots defense lack deep integrity like it did on that play. Uh, to me, I want to put it – I don't know this, but I want to put it on Miles Bryant from being the – it looked like he was going to be the post-safety and, like, cover three to all of a sudden he's covering the guy in the flat. So I absolved Duggar of that. And then also uh, Christian Barmore I thought was really good. Now, he they, they took care of him in this game. They double-teamed him. They had a plan for him. But I thought he was really still really strong and against the run as well.
6: Uh, so my, my uh, three-up, uh, Car- Christian Barmore, he's playing – Shall I say a little bit like an all pro kind of? He's mm-hmm. that he's been playing that good yep. uh, in the last uh, month. So, well, finally, I mean, it's his third year. We all kind of thought he would do this a couple of years ago, but nonetheless, uh, he's he has been uh, out of this world. You know, Demario Douglas. It might be more of a, uh, a a three up for how he's done this year. He's the leading receiver on this team, Demario Douglas, and he didn't play in four games. He's got two more catches than the than the next highest receiver, Hunter Henry. Um, and I'm gonna give. A little bit of love to Alex Austin. I thought that was a nice play uh, for him to intercept the ball on that play. Uh, they 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 repped it in practice, but still, nonetheless, it was a nice uh, nice read uh, from him. I mean, the get, get got here yesterday, so those are my three ups. And I will say this honorable mention we don't talk a lot about this guy and he should be signed a uh, long on long term and he's not is Mike Onwenu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Onwenu who you just you don't ever hear from because he does his job. That's an honorable mention for three up.
2: Just quickly cuz you both mentioned Barmore. Is he the single most I say single but is he the biggest positive development out of this season?
5: Out of the players that are playing right now? Yes. I mean, you you could make a case for Christian Gonzalez, but he got hurt so early that he would have been there but um you know, no question his development this year. I think that positional wise, because we talk a lot negatively about the assistant coaches, I think Demarcus Covington, the defensive line coach, has done a tremendous job. I also think Ger- Gerard Mayo, as linebacker's coach, has done uh, a tremendous job, but there's no question that Covington has those guys up front playing well, especially Barmore. I mean, he's been tremendous since about week three or four this year. I think I, surprise easily.
6: Him, him, and then maybe Pop Douglas, and, and then maybe I'd say Anthony Jennings. Those are my three kind of big surprises. Yeah, Jennings has popped a lot yeah.
5: this year.
2: If I forget, remind me to ask you more about Barmore later. Mm-hmm. Okay, three down. Go, give us the first one.
5: Uh, Antonio Mafi. I just think he was, he was terrible in this game, gave up a couple stat, his sacks. Um, he's had a rough time this year it's been too early for him especially being a former defensive tackle in college uh Bailey Zappi um I can't believe pro football focus gave him an 82.2 second highest grade on the Patriots I had him for two and a half interceptions in this game I split the final one between him and Regor but he also Bailey had a terrible first half not just with the interceptions he was much better in the second half and he certainly made some plays in this game I mean you know his moxie and His toughness and the ability, his resiliency, certainly stands out and has been impressive. Um, Third down was uh, Jawan Bentley. Uh, This is two weeks in a row. I think he's really tired. They ask a lot of him. He had a tough time in coverage. He would have even more if Josh Allen took more of the check downs, which he should have done. But I thought Bentley, for two weeks in a row, has had a really rough time, especially in coverage. I did want to add, Josh Allen, to me, was the worst player in this game. I went back through my notes. I had him for 13 negative plays in this game as far as throws, decisions, even that interception to Alex Austin. He threw to the wrong place. He had the post. Jalen Mills was turned around. If he threw it to the post, it's a touchdown. He had Stephon Diggs on a touchdown when Jalen Mills busted the coverage, and he missed He missed throws all day. And the biggest thing was when, when he was indefensible by the Patriots, when they couldn't do anything against him in that span, it's because he just sat back down and took the checkdowns and he did not do it in this game at all, and it almost killed the Bills in this game. It's, I, it's I, amazing.
2: Go ahead. No, no, he missed a ton of throws in this game. It's, it's as inaccurate as I've seen him against the Patriots in like five years. It's, but go ahead, Ted.
6: It's so true. It, it, when, when,
2: when Josh Allen just takes what the Patriots
6: defense gives him, he looks amazing against them. When he goes back to his old ways, mm-hmm. I got to make a play, stretch the field, I want to make – then the Patriots usually have their way with him. All right, so my three down uh, – look – he only missed one field goal technically, but he really missed two. Chad <laughs> Ryland. He, Chad Ryland is uh, certainly, uh, we all know, what is he, 60, uh, 64% on his field goals this year? I think maybe worse, a little bit worse than that. But Antonio Moffi, uh Greg's absolutely correct. Um, gave up really, I think, two sacks um, kind of back-to-back there. In the second half, uh, guys from the second level, he doesn't see them coming. Um, he gets locked in, and the guy's just right in front of him and, and misses those guys. Look, Bailey Zappi, that's that's, that's kind of low hanging fruit. Definitely, he deserves to be on it. But I'm just going to, I'm kind of just turned off by the guy. I, I don't, I, I just I've never really been into uh, this guy as a player, and that's uh, Devontae Parker. I thought on that interception, the slant route, uh, the guy jumped and, and made a great play on Zappi. Bad decision. But I thought Devontae Parker could have got his head around and maybe made an effect on that play i'm just down on Devonte parker but uh those are my three uh three
2: downs i mean he had a play like that earlier in the year It was a different kind of play but on the sideline when Zaven howard boxed him out
0: mm-hmm. yeah
6: i mean
2: it feels to me like anytime there is a fight for the ball somebody beats him that's what it feels like yep, yep. i'm not a big parker guy either i should have said by the way that three up three down with greg bedard presented by tullamore do irish whiskey Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cast matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. Get back to your calls next.
0: Every day my employees get scam emails. I wanted to protect my business and clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got four simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. Learn more at cisa.gov forward slash Driving you home and driving you crazy. No one
2: has any idea what the hell that means, but that's what that means.
4: It's Belger and Mass on the Sports Hub.
1: Douglas trying to get lined up correctly. Parker, along with Douglas and Gasecki, right. One receiver left, and the throw's going to intercepted. Douglas has another, rising, running across the 30, angles inside, 25-20, 15-10, he's going to be hit by Parker outside the goal line, but he tumbles in, a pick six, a touchdown Buffalo, and a
0: fourth turnover by New England. What is he looking at? I mean, Mac Jones, get loose, because this kid ain't seen it today. And to be fair,
6: when you call for the other guy, you gotta start calling for the other guy here. That's another
0: awful, awful throw to the left side. Nobody's there. Predetermined chuck and duck.
2: You got zone calling for Mac Jones for crying out loud. That's how bad it got him for part of the game on Sunday. I was just asking these guys off the air, how many freaking pick sixes? Have they given up this year (laughs) between Mac drones early in the air? And I'll throw in the strip sack, too. How many touchdowns has the quarterback directly contributed to? It's got to be like five.
6: Feels like it. Five. Right.
4: Yeah.
2: Seriously. Like, I'm starting to wonder, what's the record?
4: Cowboys, Saints, this game here. So that's three. There's definitely two other ones in there that I'm forgetting. (laughs) Five or six, I think.
2: Seriously. It's like, a t- 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 have you ever seen anything like nope. it? Nope. I mean, they've only played 16 games. Mm-hmm. Well, they still got one to go. Every three games on average is a pick six. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
5: but this is a good jumping off point to, you know, something that's bothered me is, you know, Bill's comments after the game and even Zappy said something about it. And Bill talks about like you know, the turnovers, like as soon as we didn't have the turnovers, we were competitive or something like that. Like he says it like turnovers happen in a vacuum. They do not. They're not just because of one player or, you know, people will say, well, Bill O'Brien sucks or Mac Jones sucks. And like, no, it, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not just one player. Turnovers are symptomatic of uh, uh, of an entire failing of an offense, you know, from a personnel and coaching standpoint these you you say you know is this a record or something like I think like one of the terrible Dolphins teams that I covered had a bunch of pick sixes and you know it's just it, it's a result of a, a totality of things like you know not giving enough talent you know you know who's right around the Patriots in terms of giveaways this year the Chiefs and the Bills and they have Two Unicorn. of the most
2: underachieving teams in the league.
5: Yeah, and they where you would say they don't have enough weapons, they their their scheme hasn't been good, the Bills changed offensive coordinators. Like, you know, and I I even went back and I looked at, you know, Bill's days in Cleveland because it's just it's his reflection on offense. Like if you don't the 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 less talent you give the quarterback, the less protection you give a quarterback, the chances of turnovers increase dramatically. Like, so if you don't believe in that, if you leave the offense shortchanged, what do you think's going to happen? Turnovers are going to happen because you put them in this position. It's not because of Mac Jones. It's not because of Bill O'Brien. It, you know, it's it's because of what Bill Belichick, his decisions that he made in terms of offense from, you know, assistant coaches to personnel and all that. It's not because of one person.
2: And Greg, to your point, could you, what you're talking about is the surrounding talent. Those teams, Buffalo and Kansas City, have good quarterbacks. They do, and they still turn the ball mm-hmm. over. So the Patriots have both. They got bad quarterbacks and bad talent.
6: And, and to, to Greg's point, if I can, just on that on that interception uh, that uh, that was intended for Jalen Rager, it, it, it's coaching is is in that play because you could say, well, you know, why is Jalen Rager maybe out there? Maybe why why didn't they have somebody that was more prepared uh, to to know. That hey, there's a hot read right there. Get your head around what's what is the uh, what's the adjustment uh, predetermined adjustment versus a hot read? Is it a slant? Is it a hitch? Is it just you stop? And if you had you know a, a more veteran player at that position, then maybe that play doesn't happen. Also from that side, the pressure that Zappy felt for, and the reason for him throwing the ball is that there was an overload rush from that side. Teams have been doing overload rushes to the Patriots all season long. Why? Because of how bad their offensive line is—they can't block. They can't block. So it's 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 bad offensive line, inexperience at the wide receiver position, and a bad decision by the quarterback, and and the coaching staff not having them prepared—that goes into that one interception.
2: I mean, the the only thing that was surprising that happened with Jalen Rager in that game is that catch he made on the sideline. That's it. When he caught that, I was stunned. I didn't think there was any chance that guy could make that play. There's a reason he's been with, what is it, three teams in three years, mm-hmm. four teams in four years, whatever it is. Uh, Joe in Pittsfield. Joe, what do you got?
0: First of all, Happy New Year to everyone. I, I think Bill has to go, and I'm not saying the others know how to coach. I'm thinking he doesn't know how to relate to the players nowadays. If you ever notice a player makes a mistake, it, boom, on the bench, you don't see him for a while. I, I just think he doesn't relate to the players like he did back then with the players he had. That agree with everything he thinks that's going on. I think he just cannot uh, uh, go along with the p- players nowadays. I don't think they believe.
2: Yeah, uh, I got you, Joe. I'm going to let you go. There's a look. There's a there's a huge generation gap there, huge. So let alone the fact that the scheme might be outdated. On top of it, there's a million reasons to make this decision and move on. James and Dudley. James, go ahead. Yes. Happy New Year guys. And uh I just
1: wanted to agree with you, Maz, that uh it, Belichick has
2: has lost his uh, fastball, like you said earlier this year. And I I agree that the uh offense is uh needs to get uh, somebody in there who knows talent out in uh, the college ranks and uh I think uh you know, a couple of offensive linemen later in the draft uh, try to get a uh, impact receiver. And- yeah, James, i got to let you go. They tried getting offensive linemen late in this draft. And you know what they learned? That the good ones are at the front of the draft for a reason. So they—they they, th- there are so many things they shortchanged on this team, and not to keep harping on this, but this is a big one for me, Greg. The offensive line, to me, I find to be inexcusable. It's inexcusable. It is guaranteed it's a guaranteed way to undermine your offense is to have a suck offensive excuse me, suck offensive line, let alone a new coach on the offensive line on top of it who might not be that good. So you add all those things together, what did you think was gonna happen? They built their offensive line by relying on a guy in Trent Brown who is chronically unreliable. That's what they did. They have a guy playing guard, left guard in Cole Strange who's been injured, but also that they drafted way too high. If he, You know, Owenu's okay. I like Owenu and I agree, uh, Ted. He's a guy I would extend. Like, there were a couple of guys I look at and say, you can't let you, – now you have to extend them because you're in a situation where you don't have enough talent. So, like, you know, like they apparently tried with Duggar, but it sounds like he wants to hit the market. How many – you're going to let even your good players leave is my point? You can't. you got to try to keep those guys. But I, the offensive line to me, we all knew, Greg. We all knew they needed offensive line help. Mm-hmm. He ignored it.
5: For the, And this is a multiple-year thing. I mean, you know, how long have you been running it back with Trent Brown? And then you'd bring in, like, I think Marcus Cannon they brought back at some point at, at right tackle. You know, I was just looking back. I think the last offensive tackle they took somewhat high was um, – Yadni Kajust, who was in the third round, who didn't work out. They also had uh, Antonio Garcia, was just who never say, played in the league, who was right. a third round pick. So and they caught a that, bad.
2: They caught a bad break, but, with and Garcia. they had Win.
5: You know, but Win started to go bad multiple years. Yet he didn't say, "Oh, maybe we should start." You know, bringing in more tackles. I mean, they get like a Stuber in like the last round, that kind of thing. Like you just you can't do that. I don't know if it, it was Bill. Being uh, so reliant on Dante Scarnecchia, like developing people, that he fell into that, and he's just like, "Oh, well, we'll figure it out on the offensive line," um, you know. But even then, they had, you know, the, you know, Volmer was somebody that uh, was, I think, a second round pick. Solder was a first round pick that they targeted that Scarnecchia worked out. Like they just. They stopped doing that. They it, it just add it to the other positions where they just stop having succession plans, and you wonder why they got here. You know, quarterback, tight end, slot receiver, third down back, like tackle. Like, all these, they stopped. It used to be like clockwork. A guy's a year out from his deal. We're going to get somebody else to get them ready just in case those guys move on, and that just stopped.
2: I mean, Ted, the, the, the offensive line thing blows me away. It blows me away. And you say, well, what, what you know? As as Greg just said, what about the talent? What about the quarterback, the receivers? They can't run the ball either. They can't block. They're in the bottom of the league in average yards per rush. They're at the and I say bottom, bottom five or six teams in the league. They're like twenty fifth, twenty you know seventh or eighth, seventh or eighth from the bottom. They're at the bottom of the league in total rushing yards. They can't block in the run game. They can't block in the pass game. They can't block. <laughs>
6: It's it was easily the the biggest biggest issue I had going in the season. I said the offensive line would undermine them from the very beginning, and I also will say this: I think Trent Brown is the one player. If you had to say who's a, the the one player that you would say is the it best exemplifies the 2023 season for the Patriots, it's Trent Brown. He had issues going into the season. He had issues in 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 uh, in training camp, training camp in, in, in mini camp, minicamp. In fact, in minicamp, didn't he show up a day late because of a flight yep. uh, issue? Mm-hmm. Right, and and so. He had a hold-in, if you will, uh, during training camp where he was, you know, choosing not to practice, so they gave him a $2 million bump. That guy has undermined your team for a long time, and it was a problem a while ago. You didn't address it. And so, Ted, what should he do? Call him in the office. My guess is Bill's never called Trent Brown in the office and said, Every fan knows
1: the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. b Studios.
2: The Felger Maz Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sports Hub.
0: Are you ready for this? It's Felger and Mads. Oh, that's stupid, my god. Oh, god. Oh, Children! Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 985 The Sports Hub.
2: Hour number two of Felger and Mads. Mike's out today. I assure you that he'll be back. Jim Murray still here, as always. Greg Bedard, Big Boy Tuesday. Ted Johnson filling in. He's in my normal chair. Uh, We'll continue to take your phone calls, 617-779-0985. But I did want to get to this because much of the speculation surrounding uh, Bill Belichick, his potential breakup with the Patriots, which could come as early as next week. Again, we, we could be. We are probably in the final days of Bill Belichick's tenure as head coach of the Patriots. Uh, That is no small thing here in New England, given what he has meant to the region, to the football team, to the history of the Patriots over the last 20 plus years. So uh, to me, that is a a monumental story. I think that Felger would agree with that. Uh, That's where we're spending most of the time today. But the successor to Bill Belichick is obviously part of that story. Many people have suggested or theorized that Gerard Mayo is the heir apparent as Robert Kraft Once referred to him in an off-the-air discussion, I believe. It might have been on the air.
5: Which I reported.
2: Right, which you reported. So, Greg, you recently have reported that not everybody in the building loves Mayo, Mm -hmm. that he has ruffled some uh, feathers, he has rubbed some people the wrong way, and you've reported this on more than one occasion. I know you wrote about it again at the end of last week. Yep. Today, Mayo was actually asked about it. Mm -hmm. And the audio on this exchange is not great, but you should be able to hear it well enough. I'm pretty sure the question here is asked by Karen Garigian of Mass Live, formerly of the Boston Herald. Um, but good for Karen for asking the question and good for Mayo for answering it. So, uh, Greg, I assume you've heard the answer. You're probably on the call anyway.
5: No, I, I, I read the response. Okay. I haven't heard it.
2: So um, I'd be eager to get your thoughts on it. So let's play uh, Mayo's exchange with Karen. Go ahead, Jimmy.
3: There's a recent report that suggested that you've rubbed some... Uh, at least some people the wrong way in the building since getting your extension during the off season. I'm just wondering if you'd like to respond to that report. No, I appreciate you asking that. Um, Honestly, I try to stay out of reading uh, a lot of the articles and things during the year. Obviously, there are ups and downs and seasonality that kind of play a part uh, in life and also in football. And Honestly, when that report came out, you know, my brother sent it to me. It was more hurtful than anything. Um, I found it to be, uh, well, the timing is a little bit weird, in my opinion. And if that was the case, I feel like this would have been leaked uh, sometime earlier. At the same time, I try to treat everyone the same way. And I will say this, I, I thought about it for a while. When people talk about rubbing people the wrong way, like, obviously, like, sometimes, I mean, that's part of the job of being a leader is to rub people the wrong way. And I always try to be, you know, constructive and, and respectful in my feedback. And, and some people uh, appreciate that transparency and some don't. But at the end of the day, if we can't rub people the wrong way, how do you expect to be the best that you can be? And I would say anytime there's change or anything like that, like, it's going to be painful. or someone's going to rub you the wrong way, at the end of the day, you have to look through all the words and really get to the substance, or get to the meat and potatoes of what that person is trying to say. So it actually helped me. It kind of triggered a uh, you know, a period of self reflection. I, mean, I know it's recent; it was, you know, I think, it's like a week old at this point. But it triggered a, 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 an opportunity for self reflection. And we all have blind spots, and maybe that's one of my blind spots. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully, whoever put that story out uh, is man or woman enough <laughs> to, to bring it to my attention to have a conversation.
2: Okay.
5: So, Greg, go ahead. Uh, so, first of all, I thought his answer was um, tremendous and showed a lot of, um, you know, reflection and um, uh, maturity. Now, you know, let me just state that I have nothing against Gerard Mayo. I have nothing but respect for him. I think he's an excellent football coach. I've never had a bad interaction with him. As far as the timing of the story, he knows why the timing is now
2: okay so this is the part i was going to ask you yeah because this is the part of the comment that struck me
5: so so you know my my job is you know my job is not to curry favor with anybody my job is to give people the truth about their football team and you know quite honestly nobody really cared about gerard mayo until it became clear or there was the potential that he was going to be the head coach of the new england patriots after the season. So it's, it's, I take it upon myself that I need to do the research. I mean, I certainly have my opinion on Mayo that I think he's, he, he, he was, he's highly intelligent. Uh, one of the smartest football players I think I've ever covered. Uh, a leader of men, certainly. But, you know, it, that's just what I know. So I had to call and I, you know, hey, what's going on? What do people think about Mayo? He could be the next, and I'm asking about a lot of people, you know, Vrabel Flores McDaniels O'Brien all these people and sort of you know we're going in sort of a pecking order I've been I've started a series where I'm giving the uh case for and against people to be head coach including Bill Belichick Mayo was this weekend you know I had 14 pluses for Mayo seven negatives um and this you know and this was one of them but this is real it's not um I certainly agree with this point about as a leader you have sometimes have to ruffle feathers. I totally believe that this is not I will say this isn't from players or player agents. this is more people in the building who interact with Gerard and maybe he just does have a blind spot. you know nobody's perfect. I'm sure you know I rub plenty of people the wrong way. But, um, no, <laughs> but you know, this is, this is real. I don't think this is anything, certainly, and we talked about this last week. You weren't here, and I think the week before. But I don't think this is any, this doesn't rise to anything that would preclude him from being the head coach. It's more about, you know, if he was the head of football operations of the Patriots, you know, dealing with people in the building.
2: What do you think he meant by timing? Like, get into more specifics on that. Because I I have my theory as to what, but I'm oh. curious as to whether we're thinking the same I way. I
5: think he, he he, thinks that, you know, he might be the heir apparent, and all of a sudden this is coming, coming out now to knock him down, to go against his candidacy. But, you know, for me, the timing is natural because it, this started about with, like, a month left in the season when the die was cast that, you know, mostly that Bill Belichick was going to be done as head coach, who was going to succeed him. These are huge questions that all the candidates deserve to be vetted all over the place. That to me is the timing is like, I didn't really care about Gerard Mayo in September or August or the off season. I care in November and December because in a matter of weeks, one or two weeks, he could be the head coach in the new England Patriots. So it, me as a reporter, it's incumbent on me to be as w- well informed about that possible head coach uh, as anybody,
2: Ted, it's, I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit because okay. he, he obviously wrote the story. Yeah. Okay, but your your read just, on listening to mail
6: Yeah. I, look, I think it's I think it's fascinating. I I, I I said this from the very beginning. I never thought it was a good uh, it, it, that it was a good idea for Robert Kraft to to say who his successor is, or or just even put it out there who he would like to you know, succeed uh, after Bill Lee's left, because I just think of the awkwardness, you know, the dynamic behind the scenes. And, you know, Gerard, if you listen to, I mean, the first thing he says is, Oh, I don't read articles. I I try and tune that out, but it was brought to my attention. And it was hurtful. And I've been thinking about it for a while. And, you know, sometimes you need to rub people the wrong way, just to be a good leader. Um, Clearly this is this, this article and this information has had a big impact on him. And he's, and he's, He's been thinking about it. Uh, he really has, but he, he also said, "You know, it's maybe it's triggered some a period of self reflection. Maybe I got to change." So he's he was kind of all over the place. It was it was a thoughtful answer, but I'm not sure exactly which is he is he is he believing it's okay to rub people the wrong way, or maybe I need to reflect on and change what I do. But um, I will say this: I just never thought it was a good idea to to put that out there if you're Robert Kraft, because clearly when things go b- bad it's got to create tension behind the scenes. I mean, lines will be drawn. Um, I could just see the backdoor politicking going on. Um, and But I, I will say this. It doesn't feel like when you hear Gerard is in his answers as if he has a worry in the world, right? I mean, most assistant coaches would not feel comfortable at all talking about that subject, and I don't get that, uh, that sense from Gerard Mayo. I get it, the sense that he's very confident in his position here with the Patriots and about – what his future is here with the Pages. He doesn't seem like a guy that's worried about his job.
2: So, look, Greg, we have similar backgrounds, okay? So I'm not here to blow sunshine up your ass. But I don't think he's mad at you. Mm -hmm. And if he is, he shouldn't be. No. The store, what he's really agitated by is who would have said it. Right. And, you know, so I would say if he really believes that, you know, people are going to get their uh, feathers ruffled, if that's what he believes, fine. No problem. He's right. I mean, I agree with him 100%. Uh, so the timing of it to me was exactly what you said, that now people are looking at him as being the heir apparent. And he, goes pe- on,
5: he goes under the microscope now. Yes,
2: he does. And so people are well, I don't know if I love that idea because maybe it's someone who wants the job or someone who knows someone who wants the job or who the hell knows, and I'm not asking you to divulge mm-hmm. any of that. That's none of my business. But I do think that... If, if any of it's directed at the reporter, what does he think? It was made up? It wasn't made up. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, I don't want to tell you that the media has 100% credibility because the media doesn't. We all know the stories. But I would say consider who's reporting it and consider what the reputation is. And right. it's coming from somewhere. So uh, to me, that would be the one thing that I, I would emphasize to Mayo. Go to the source. Don't shoot the messenger.
5: That's what it sounded like he was doing. Like you know, when I read it, I thought, you know, it was targeted at me, but like, you know, listening to it and talking to other people, you know, he was talking about the people who are talking. Yeah. The people in the building who are talking about him and somewhat negatively. Now, you know, I'm not going to say it's it's universal or anything like that, or even a majority. There are you know certainly people in the building, influential people that he he has rubbed the wrong way. Now it could just be perception. You know, like you know, Bert Breer talked about in Germany. Robert Kraft is on the practice field talking to Gerard Mayo. How do you think that goes over with some of Bill's people? It's so the, funny. Yeah. I, I mean that that kind of stuff. You know, it, it, it's and I and I made the analogy. You know, last week it's like Game of Thrones right now uh-huh. back there. There are a lot of things at stake. People who have lived here for decades with kids in schools and jobs. What happens? Who gets the next job? You know who succeeds Bill? There's a lot on the line for a lot of people, and I am certainly cognizant of that. It's not like I'm getting this from one person or two two people. These are multiple people. I would not report it if if I didn't know it to be true. And, and so, and I have all the respect for Gerard in the world. I, I think I will say this universally. Everybody thinks he's going to be an excellent head coach. I will say that most think this is too soon for him. Okay. A, real quick, one more thing. Yep. It's just people don't know who to align themselves with. Who's going to be here? You
6: know, do I do I do I align myself with Bill? Do I align myself with Gerard? Who's because everybody, you know, people worrying about themselves at this point right now, and who do I what horse do I back at this point?
2: CYA time down there, Ted. Yep. Cover your, what it cover is. Cover your ass, yep. Ten questions.
0: Belger and Mass continues on the Sports Hub.
2: You want the answer? You've got to ask the question. You have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, which way it would go. Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This
0: is 10 Questions with Greg Pedard and Thelger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub.
2: All right, that time of the week. got a lot to get to, a lot of piled up questions, Murray. Ten questions with Greg Bedard. Ted Johnson will chime in, too. I don't know if Murray's got his thoughts. Yeah, I, am. I might add some a little uh, along the way here. But, Jimmy, what are the buzzers? Fund's overrated.
4: <laughs> Staple of the show.
2: Yep. Oh, my God, please. If you use the phrase, the goat, you'll immediately be dropped. <laughs> okay, that's an old one. Go ahead, Jimmy. Boob O'Brien. <laughs> All right, we got more?
4: I am middle management. Everyone must listen to me. I will speak loudly and firmly.
2: <laughs> what is that
4: regarding?
2: I think Joe Judge, maybe uh, Murray. That makes sense. Is yeah, it yeah. Joe Judge? Yeah. Okay, yeah, last one. Last one here. I think Horrible. You're still an idiot. Yeah, you're you're still an idiot. idiot.
4: Go Eagles. Donkey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's from. Any it's idea? call
4: our pile on, as we call
2: it. Oh, very good. <laughs> so Horrible. I think you're still an idiot. Yeah, you're you're still an idiot. idiot.
4: Go Eagles. <laughs> Donkey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Number 10. Last Thursday. The Lions went for a two-point conversion at the end of their game with the Cowboys and had a successful play negated over confusion as to whether the receiver, who is an offensive tackle, properly declared himself as eligible. Cowboys ended up winning the game. Who do you blame?
5: The ref ultimately got it wrong. However, the Lions actively participated in deception that confused the ref. You don't send three offensive linemen over to the ref. You brought it on yourself. Deal with it, and don't be a jackass and keep going for two all the time,
6: Dan Campbell. I agree. I agree uh, wholeheartedly with with what Greg just said. I concur with everything you just said. You you fold You tried to fool them, and you
4: uh, and you paid the price. But the ref still wasn't paying attention. So this dirtbag ref, Brad Allen, whose name we now know, either screwed it up because he's incompetent or because he's crooked. So subpoena his phone records. <laughs> Subpoena the bank statements. I'm serious. He has a track record, by the way, this whole year of effing up games, either with non-calls or bad calls. So do that, investigate him, or put him in a bamboo prison.
2: Jimmy, uh, Jimmy um, Murray is playing the role of Mike from Woburn today, in case you're wondering. Go ahead. <laughs> Boob O'Brien. <laughs> okay, uh, Ted touched on this earlier, but if you had to pick one player who most exemplifies the problem with the 2023 Patriots, who is it? Greg.
5: Juju Juju Smith-Schuster. Bill picked him to replace Jacoby Myers, who was fine, and he's hurt all the time. That's the Patriots offense.
6: Ted? For me, uh, it's Tripp Brown. Tripp Brown, to me, it totally encapsulates everything that's wrong with his team. Um, Never really was bought in. Uh, The best player on offense. Give him a bump, and he's still not happy. And to me, he's trying to placate him. It hasn't worked. And Bill's just kind of neglected that relationship, and it has I think paid the offense has paid the price because of his uh his his antics and his uh, just you know, uh attitude and so to me he best exemplifies what's wrong with this team
4: Brendan Schooler, or is it Brandon? Whatever him. the hell his name is. It's a guy who plays an antiquated position who's also a hammerhead. He perfectly perfectly exemplifies the 2023 Patriots. Oh, you
6: see him after every play. Oh. He's got guys, he's got something to say. Or after belly every bumping play. guys. Like, oh. he thinks he's involved in every ref, F- Like Who God. the hell are you? Well, well, up. Done, well done, Murray. Four personal fouls. I had zero in ten years of playing. <laughs> Not one personal foul. He has four in one you gotta season. you got
4: to toughen up,
2: Teddy. Murray? <laughs> I mean, uh Stu? <laughs>
4: I am middle management. Everyone must listen to me. I will speak loudly and
2: firmly. Uh, Number eight, Jim Harbaugh was asked last night whether he's given any consideration that next week's national championship game could be his final game at the school. Greg Bedard informed us before the show today that Harbaugh has hired agent Don Yee, who was formerly Tom Brady's agent, and Jimmy G. What does this all mean, Greg? Where's Harbaugh going?
5: It means he is likely going to the NFL, or at least he's trying to leverage the crap out of Michigan. But he's had an extension on the table for months. I think he's going to the Raiders. I think Mark Davis has been obsessed with with Harbaugh for for a long time, and I think he finally lands him now.
6: Oof, he, he's he's going to the NFL. He's been wanting to go there for a while. Uh, which team? I I don't know, but that seems like a great fit, probably because of the money, and I don't know, just all that uh, comes with being a Raiders head coach. So that's, I I like Greg's answer there.
4: Don Yee, deep NFL ties, next head coach of the Bears.
2: Any chance, uh, any chance that it's here?
5: No. No way. I think a, a small chance, I think. Ted, Ted, you said no?
6: Well, I, all I say is, is I thought they just they doubled down on the... Eberflus? They pretty yeah. much did. I'm not I don't buying think it's it. oh, Okay, yet. okay. Because that's the team I would pick.
2: Funds overrated. Okay, uh, give me the top five teams in order in your current NFL power rankings.
5: Ravens, 49ers, Lions, Dallas, Buffalo.
6: Oh, okay. Uh, very good. Uh, we were started off the same. Ravens, 49ers, Lions... Browns, Ooh, Dolphins. That's where I'm going. Ravens,
4: gigantic drop off. Cowboys, Niners, Browns, Lions.
2: Gets pretty thin after the first two or three, doesn't yep. it? Next. So Horrible. I think you're still an idiot. Yeah, you're still, still an idiot. idiot.
4: Go Eagles. <laughs> <Back> donkey.
2: <laughs> I love that. Number six. Who's the current NFL MVP? Greg. Lamar. Ted. Lamar. Lamar, and it's not close. Feels like Lamar Jackson, a runaway now. Jimmy boob o'brien number five who will win the afc south and the nfc south two pillow fights yeah i don't really
5: care but jacksonville and tampa i got the texans
4: and tampa i want it to be the texans i don't think it happens jaguars and bucks
2: jimmy fun's overrated for as much number four for as much hype as the afc east has garnered before the season or had garnered before the season the division did you know has a collective record of 31 and 33 entering week 18. Hmm. Who will win the AFC East? Greg, the
4: Dolphins because they're playing at home and they're better at home. Oh,
6: way better at home. It's it, to me it's the Dolphins. They got
4: a one uh, game lead right now. Dolphins, I said Miami before the season. I'm sticking them with them right now despite how the fact they're they're beat up and they really can't beat anyone good.
2: Stu, fun's overrated. In his last five games, Justin Fields now 5-4 with 13 touchdowns, five interceptions as a passer, 521 yards, and three touchdowns as a runner. And the Bears have now locked up the number one pick in the draft because they own Carolina's choice. So, should the Bears still draft a quarterback with the number one pick?
5: <laughs> By the way, Felger and Maz Math. In these last five games, Justin Fields is five and four. <laughs>
2: yeah, <right. laughs> what did I say last Oh, yeah. Last nine games. Right? Uh,
5: they should take the quarterback and trade Justin
6: Fields. It's so – it's that that simple. It don't don't screw it up, uh, Bears. Take that first overall pick and trade the guy you got.
4: If your new head coach is Jim Harbaugh, you hang on to him. You double dip, get Marvin Harrison and one of those left tackles. You hang on to him.
2: Okay. See, I like that idea, Murray. Next. Next. One's overrated. Okay, two to go here. In the uh, national semifinals last night, Washington quarterback Michael Penix completed 29 of 38 for 430 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Should Penix be considered with Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels as an option for the Patriots and the other teams at the top of this draft? And please list those core, uh, four quarterbacks in order in the order that they should be drafted.
5: I don't think I would take Penix in the top ten. My order is Williams, May, Penix, Knicks, Daniels. I Daniels, I've started to watch a little bit more. Man, he is small. He's thin. He, he reminds me of Bryce Young a lot. Yeah, so I, I'm a little wary about that. Dude, I am the biggest fan. I've become the
6: biggest fan of watching Penix play. Like, I, I, I just... He was something last night. He was incredible. Uh, the UFC game, I just, I don't know. There's something about this guy. I, that offense, to me, is the most fun offense to watch. NFL pro is the Washington offense. I'm a big fan. Uh, having said that, I would, I'd take Caleb Williams number one. I would consider uh, uh, Pennix being my second quarterback off the board, Drake May, and then Jade Daniels.
4: This is my draft board. No, it's some sackless GM who's going to follow the trends. Penix one, Daniels two, Williams three, Drake May.
2: So I actually put this question in. For me. <laughs> <laughs> because I've said to you, I don't like the way he throws. He's got a freaking hose. He does. And he can throw into tight windows. The
4: one where he split the safeties last night, I think, to make it 28-21. That was when I finally this... tweeted. I'm like, you have my attention. That throw was holy crap. That was a bullet. If you
6: did not get, you get your attention from last night, seriously. I mean, those mm-hmm. those deep balls, the
5: the accuracy. The deep ball to sort of, that should have clinched the game the, along the
2: sideline. Yeah.
5: That was a dime. And the quick release, too. He does. He gets
2: rid of it fast. I'm coming around on panics. Last one, Jimmy.
4: I am middle management. Everyone must listen to me. I will speak loudly and firmly.
2: (laughs) Okay, final question. One week from today, will Bill Belichick still be the head coach of the Patriots? And if not, who will be his replacement? Greg.
5: On Tuesday, at this time, yes, he will still be the head coach. But I don't think he'll be the head coach by the end of the week and my pick, probably just because I, I think it's the best option, Mike Vrabel. Oh, love that. Um, I, I'm a, you know, no one's a bigger
6: fan than Mike Vrabel. So I I would love that as an option, I, you know, to me. But I'm also a big fan of uh, of Gerard. I don't think Bill's going to be here. I, I really don't. I just can't imagine rolling it back after uh, what's happened in the last four years. So, Bill will not be the uh, –
4: eventually will not be the head coach of the Patriots. Tuesday the 9th, he's still the head coach. I th- I'm i starting to think he's still here next year. I'm ready to be annoyed by it.
2: Jim Murray's got your headlines, X. Don't go anywhere. portrayal. I didn't see it coming. Life can be so unpredictable. After losing my dad, it made me think about my family if something were to happen to me. The mortgage, car payments, and all the other bills. Even things like our annual summer vacation would be out of reach. I had heard about life insurance through Ethos and how easy it was to get coverage. They were right. I knew it was time to stop putting it off and get life insurance right now. I got on my computer and went to ethoslife.com. In just 10 minutes, I was covered and boom, family protected.
0: Can the dogs defense get the stop on fourth and eleven? Ewers takes a shotgun snap. He's back to pass. Pressure coming. Throws the fade. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to Elijah
2: Well, that was last night. I said to Ted Johnson just a second ago off the air. That semifinal day is becoming a sneaky good day of football.
4: There's only one way to make it better, though. What is that? Murray? Make the games
2: earlier. Oh my God! Seriously, the four hours. It's like a, it's a, it's like that part of it's excruciating.
4: Three and seven. Can we can that's, we do three and seven? That's
2: that's the number
6: one reason I. I'm more of a uh, pro guy than I am an NFL or a college guy. The games are too long in college football. Way they too go long. forever.
2: Oh, it's ridiculous. And the one last night was worse. It felt like they were reviewing every other play. And maybe it's got something to do with Washington's tempo because Washington really runs down the the play clock, you know, in which I, it, you know, look, I told you my wife went to the university of Washington. So we're all in Huskies garb last night, the whole house. So I've become sort of an honorary Washington Huskies fan. And I I will say, but I don't watch them every week. Mm -hmm. Like, no thanks. But the playoff games are good. They're too freaking long.
5: I can't watch a full college football game anymore. I can't do it. I'll I'll check in at halftime.
2: So, look, normally I would say do college football in your own time. Mm -hmm. Except I do think there's a partial reason for people to watch.
4: They have oh, sure. to now because one of these guys could end up being the Patriots quarterback. So so some of these other positional players
2: to me, as far as first of all, I thought the first game was way better than the second game. And I say way better. They were both good, but I just like defense. I, I need some resistance. So I, I don't mind seeing teams slug it out, win the line of scrimmage. I thought Michigan's defensive line was awesome against Alabama, but I will say, if you ask me today, Penix feels like a winner. He just feels like a winning player. And I know I just asked you guys this in the last segment, but I'm intrigued now. Like, do these games affect the way you think about the quarterback position? In other words, if you had written off Penix and you say, eh, has Washington's run and Penix's play last night affected your decision? Murray, I'll start with you.
4: Yes, because in i want to be consistent because in recent years, having watched these playoff games, I don't watch college football the way that I used to, but I do watch these playoff games and, like, the championship games. So I was affected by watching Joe Burrow. I was affected by watching Trevor Lawrence, even though he really hasn't panned out. Same with Stroud a bit and Fields. So, yes, yeah, I watched that last night because I – you know, I saw the Oregon game. I've seen a couple other games with Penix. I'm like, yeah, and I have my lefty bias. That last night, I'm like, this is so hot. That arm strength, cannon, small windows, quick release. I'm in.
5: I don't care about the bad knees. I'm pretty intrigued. Uh, you know, I wasn't. You so know, why? Talking. Why, Greg? Uh, well, just I mean, he was just accurate all over the field he moved well in the pocket, got out of some things. Yeah, um, you know, was able to make plays with his feet as well. Um, I do, I do think you need that type of quarterback and to be successful in today's NFL. I, you know, before that, I was worried about the age. He's going to be twenty-five coming in the league, and also he's had, I think, multiple ACL tears. So you know, Same knee. yeah, you you worry about that a lot. But he just seems to have a special quality about him and his the downfield accuracy, the arm strength, the quickness of the release, very impressive. I mean, he was hitting guys in stride like it was everything
4: you want to see in a quarterback on that stage. He was doing it last. Hitting night. them in stride with
6: rockets.
4: Yeah. yeah.
6: With freaking but rockets. With with rockets though and then also with touch, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's 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 you know, it's a cannon but it's also like when I got to kind of feather it in there uh up the sideline. Drop it in there. Uh, he he does that. You know what what teams used to do uh, in, at the combine before the draft is they would ask the last players, "Give me your top three games for your season, so I know what games I should watch." And if I said, you know, my Iowa State game, Missouri, and Toledo games were really good, they'd be like, "Well, what about Nebraska, Oklahoma, and the mm-hmm. Michigan game?" And you know, and so. I'm curious about watching these quarterbacks that we, you know, the Patriots might be interested in playing in the, these big games because it matters more. How do these guys play under, uh, you know, the spotlight, uh, under pressure? Um, that is part of my evaluation process. And
2: good competition. And,
6: and good competition. That, that makes a difference. And, you know, if you look at, I mean, you look at the teams that Pennix has beaten. Now, that th- these are, I mean, Washington to me is a well-coached team. Great defense. Um, just a great offensive system. But, I mean, he's beaten the 5th-ranked Oregon Ducks. He's beaten the 11th-ranked Oregon State, uh, whatever, Beavers. Utah, 18th-ranked, 20th-ranked USC. Um, you know, hell, he beat Oregon twice, uh, actually, right? So that that matters when you're evaluating quarterbacks, is how did he perform against the better competition? And he has been aces against the, the top competition.
2: So the thing I – because I've said uh, – the reason I wanted to ask you this is – I mentioned this earlier – and the bets that I saw with Penix, I, I didn't love his throwing mechanics. He kind of mm-hmm. he, he kind of three-quarters
5: it. He reminds me of Vince Young a little bit. Okay, so it's week.
2: funny you said that because I almost said to, to Murray, Murray, when uh, Vince Young beat USC, did Vince Young strike you as a high pick?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because okay. he was like a one-man-could-do-it-all type of thing. He do it with his legs, could do it with his arm. Yeah, after mm-hmm. that game, too, that was another one that came hey, to you mind. You know what people would say about him? He's a winner. Right. As, and right. I felt the same way. Well, I mean, he had a tequila problem.
2: Okay. So there was <laughs> that. And the thing that's a little different about Penix is that he's not nearly the runner that Vince Young was. Right. Sure. Okay. Th- this kid actually stays in the pocket. And, and Greg, when you said that Penix makes plays with his legs, some of them are just moving in the pocket. Mm-hmm. So what I didn't know was last night, there were a, a bunch of plays where he had to elude the rush. And throw off balance. Like, he he wasn't able to step into the throw like you would want a quarterback to step into the throw. And he was still able to zing it and be on the money with it. So, I'm starting to reevaluate. I'm wondering if this is a guy. And, Greg, you don't think he's going in the top ten?
5: I think he's going to be right around that range. You know, may, maybe a little bit below that. But, you know, I don't know much about the college game at all, but I thought I heard people in the telecast talking up Texas's defense. Now, you, you could draw the comparison of C.J. Stroud against Georgia last year. That was, I mean, he threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns. Like, you know, but this Texas defense, I was just looking at their ratings. They're... So,
2: Greg, I saw this during the game last night. Mm-hmm. They showed that Texas allowed 240 yards passing on average per game which was among the best in the country in that Penix had that beat in the first half.
5: Yeah, I'm just I don't know if I'm looking at the right year, but I don't I their passing defense was not that highly rated. Passing yards per game I have as 105, 254.4, 105 in, in college football. Now, I I don't know if I'm looking at the right place, but um you know, the CJ Stroud what he put on field against that Georgia defense that's a lot different than what Pennix did last night against Texas. I don't think Texas is anywhere near Georgia's class. You know, last year with Jalen Carter and all these guys, um, you know, so it, it, but the plays in themselves, I mean, they, like you said, eluding the rush and then just the accuracy unbelievable all over the place and like, you know, away from leverage and like hitting guys in stride, like. You, you can't deny that. You have to dive deeper into that.
6: Just so people understand his ability to run, like it's, he doesn't run. I mean, he, he finds space and he buys time, um, which is really, you know, I, I would like to have a quarterback. If he was at the ability, like I always look at Patrick Mahomes as kind of like the guy that was, he's a running quarterback. If he needs to be, he'll probably average one and a half to maybe two first downs a game with his feet. Give me that all day in my quarterback. But that's not Michael Penix. 32 rushes this year for 13 yards. So he's not a scrambler. He's a move guy in the pocket to throw. That's yeah, he game.
2: doesn't run a lot. Nope, nope. He doesn't run a lot. He's only got like a couple of touchdowns, and there were a couple of plays he ran last night, but that's unusual for him. He He's a passer first mm-hmm. by, a, by a wide margin. I mean, he's really he's a pocket quarterback is yeah. what he is. He just has the ability to move. And to throw on the run. I mean,
6: did you like, I I like his, just his overall kind of uh, disposition, his calm, his his, so calm. Give me that. I mean, he is a cool cat out there. Um, And I just, I mean, he just isn't phased by anything. And that to me is another
4: really good sign for him.
2: Murray, didn't you say you hate lefty quarterbacks?
4: Yeah, I do. I have a real lefty quarterback bias, but again, watching that last night, I'm like, I can come around and you would take him number one. Yeah. Yep.
2: I can not a,
5: like Boomer Sison. He was so smooth. So I like Steve Young, Boomer. too.
2: Greg, get ready for this, because if Pennix has a bad game against Michigan in the championship, mm-hmm. oh, I'll flip. Murray will yeah. have him in the third oh, yeah. round. <laughs> <laughs> you wait. he sucks and blows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap it up with the big boy next.
1: So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data, the software to train it, and massive compute power, or another one bites the dust.
2: Are you ready? Hey, are you ready for this? Are you hanging on the edge of your seat?
1: But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need, helping generate better insights. Alright! Nice teamwork, guys.
3: Search HPE GreenLake.
1: Hey, Mike. Michael Felger.
4: Real good talk on grass earlier that way. Don't be afraid to do that on your own time. Tony
2: Mazzarati. I don't remember Brady squeezing anybody's green. Felger and Maz on the Sports Hub. Okay, we're about to wrap up the big boy portion of big boy tuesday greg bedard has got like two and a half minutes left on the show something that has not come up yet with greg that we'll do just as he's uh, waddling out the door <laughs> it's a needless cheap shot wasn't it <laughs> Seriously. You don't really waddle. Happy New Year. You don't really waddle anymore. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back, Greg. Welcome back to twenty or welcome to twenty twenty four. So Sunday, as things stand, Patriots are home against the Jets, four and twelve, four and thirteen. Could get them the number two pick in the draft with a victory five and twelve. I think you wrote this today or within the last couple of days. Could drop Seven. them to seventh. Mm-hmm. So the difference between winning and losing could be five spots in the draft, which, depending on how it goes, can be the difference between you getting one of those quarterbacks we were just talking Mm -hmm. about. That could really be the difference. They could all go in the top six, not out of the rum possibility that Penix jumps up and Daniel uh, jumps up and that's it. You're you're S out of luck on quarterbacks. What do they do Sunday, Greg?
5: I don't see any scenario when if Bill Belichick is the head coach on Sunday – that the Patriots don't win that game, they, they'll win that game on Sunday. The Jets are terrible; um, they've checked out. Uh, they're not a buttoned-up unit. And Tre- who's Trevor Simeon's going to be the yep. head coach? A Quarterback, quarterback, a quarterback. <laughs> or head <that> coach? Whatever. <laughs> At this point, that, does it matter? No, it doesn't really. But uh, yeah, if, if they're just going to play it out, this is this is what Bill does, you know. Unless the only scenario I see is you know, Kraft orders the code red, Belichick says no, he resigns. It, Belichick gets Mayo as interim coach. Like, that's not going to happen. So the Patriots are going to play this out. They might sit a couple players. Um, Trent Brown again? Well, yeah, oh, he, he's obviously he should be cut. Um, Lawrence Guy looks like he's not exactly happy either uh, with his playing time and play down the stretch. And plus, I think he's in a contract year. Uh, you know, they could sit a few players, but I think the Patriots win this game.
2: Ted, do they play it out or do they, do they tank?
6: Oh, they're gonna they're gonna play it out, but I think they should strongly consider tanking. I think I, I just think it's with one game left, uh the difference between five spots, that's a huge, huge uh difference in a draft order. Um look I'm never a fan of, of losing or trying to lose, but with one game left, you sit some guys, you engineer so that you maybe kinda you know, uh, blatantly aren't looking like you're trying to lose, but it, the, the, but you would be okay with that outcome because that's a huge difference between two and seven. And so, and this is, makes an argument for anybody that was saying that maybe they should have let go of Bill earlier in the season. It would avoid maybe the problems they're having now, which is Bill trying to win the last game could be detrimental to the long-term, you know, <laughs> you know uh, health of this team. They Murray, lo-
4: I know your answer, but go. They should lose. I hope they lose. They're going to win. They're going to F up their draft. So get ready to take some suck tackle <laughs> that you don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: might, I might be okay with the tackle. We'll see. Although I'm, I, I told you my quarterback list is suddenly expanding. I, I, I thought for sure it would be going to be microscopic and that there wasn't going to be a guy at the top I would want. Now I'm starting to add panics mm-hmm. to it. Like, I'm with you, brother. Getting interesting. All right, Greg. That's the end of Big Boy Tuesday. All right. See you, fellas. It was see fun. See you next week. Who Dad, knows? Dad's going to be back
5: next week? Oh, yeah. He'll yeah. Be, I, think oh, he'll,
2: I think he's back tomorrow. Oh, wow. But I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. But anyway, I think he's back tomorrow. In any case, uh, who knows, Greg? Maybe we'll have something big to talk about when you're back here next week. Maybe. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Murray's got your headlines here. No commercials. When we come back, I do want to touch on, we'll take a little break from football. I do want to touch on the developments with the local baseball team. Because, Murray, I'm appalled. I'm appalled like many fans. We'll get to the Red Sox next.